morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back. It's good to hear that theme song again. After taking a week off, we are back live with another episode of 80s Wrestling, the podcast today. It's all the pro wrestling managers. The 80s, man, it took off. It was the peak, their job, speaking on the mic, working up the crowd, distracting the ref and even interfering in matches. Today, we're going to cover the good and the bad, the best and the worst. My name is Jumpin' Jay, and as always, I sit across from the mouth of the East, Tommy Fierro. Good morning, Tommy. What's going on, brother? (laughs) Jumpin' Jay, good morning. Good morning, everyone out there listening all around the world. Welcome to another episode of 80s Wrestling, the podcast. We missed you last week, Jumpin' Jay. uh, had to go make some million-dollar deals, so uh, he was unable yeah. to attend. But, um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm looking forward to today's episode. I believe that we did we did cover this episode in one of our early episodes, but, I mean, an hour and something from a year or two ago is not long enough to, to talk about the lineage and the history of professional wrestling managers in this industry, and it's such a unbelievably lost art form. Well, you know, Paul Heyman does it, and he does it fantastically, but just those larger-than-life, colorful, loud, obnoxious managers like a Bobby the Brain Heenan, like a Mountain of the South Jimmy Hart, like a Mr. Fuji, Freddie Blassie. Uh, you know, back in the day, they were together with, you know, either someone that was, going to challenge Hulk Hogan for the title, which was a lot of times Bobby Heenan's guys, or if it was someone that was a fantastic worker and really was having a hard time getting over due to either, you know, lack of personality or charisma. And then, you know, adding the mouthpiece to that personality makes him a personality in, in return. So back then the, uh, the importance of a professional wrestling manager was just so unbelievably important, and I'm looking forward to covering it today. Anyone out there that wants to join in and let us know who your favorite manager was growing up or you know, some of your fondest memories of managers from the 80s, give us a ring at area code 516-595-8295. Once again, that's 516 516- Five nine five eight two nine five. Before we jump into the calls, Jumpy J, busy weekend here in uh, New Jersey for myself in ISPW. Tomorrow night, on Friday night, we have a show at Belvedere High School in Belvedere, New Jersey. It starts at seven thirty p.m. WWE and, and the perfect topic for today was WWE Hall of Famer, the Mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart will be the guest GM tomorrow night at ISPW. Again, it's at Belvedere High School, Belvedere, New Jersey, 7.30 p.m. start. Jimmy Hart will be appearing, former WWE star. Snitsky will be appearing. Bull James is going to go one-on-one against the 2023 Golden Ticket winner. You were there live to see that one, Jumpin' Jay. The international shining star, Ray Kalitri. Also, Crowbar. It was one-on-one with former WWE NXT star Anthony Green. Maven will be in the house. Vicious Vicky and all the stars of ISPW. So for tickets for tomorrow night, head over to ISPWWrestling.com. 
Uh, meet and greet with Jimmy Hart will begin at 6.30 p.m. And first match kicks off at 7.30. If you can't make it live tomorrow and you're interested in getting an autographed, personalized 8 by 10 of Jimmy Hart, you can actually head over to our website, ispwwrestling.com, and you can order a photo of Jimmy Hart, and he'll personalize it any way you'd like. And that's ispwwrestling.com. And then the following day, J, uh, there's a huge Garden State Comics Fest taking place in, of all places, the Men Arena in Morristown, New Jersey. This Saturday, and ISPW is going to have a booth there, and Jimmy Hart will be there as well, along with ISPW Women's Champion, Vicious Vicky, the ISPW Tri-State Champion, the Phoenix GKM. And check this one out. I'm really, really, really excited for this, and uh, even more so because my father was a gigantic New York Mets fan, we're going to have the legendary World Series champion, the White Gooden, appearing live at the ISPW booth this Saturday. Now, if you're not in the New Jersey area and you'd like to get an autographed picture of the White Gooden, same thing. Head over to ISPWWrestling.com, and you can get an autographed photo of both Jimmy Hart and the White Gooden, who we're having this weekend. We have a busy weekend here in New Jersey. And uh, a perfect topic because Jimmy is a big part of our weekend this week. That's right. And I've had the pleasure of meeting Jimmy Hart twice before, and he might be the nicest person to meet. He is so genuine, takes his time, talks to you, tell you wrestling stories, answer questions, ask you questions about your life. So just a genuine, good person. And so if you are in the area and you have the opportunity, I would definitely head over and meet Jimmy Hart. And then Dwight Gooden, man. I got baseball cards in the basement, in the shoeboxes of Dwight Gooden, man. He was quite the major league legend. And so, uh, big weekend for ISPW, uh, no doubt, at the uh, the house that 80s Wrestling Con built, Men in Sports Arena, dude. I'm, I'm excited for you. It's going to be a great weekend. Thank you, man. Actually, it was it's funny they said the, the building that ISPW built. I actually saw a WWF show there when I was a kid. How cool is that? At, at WWF was, I believe it was 91, they were there. That's a full circle, full circle moment in life. I love those. Yes, sir, man. I, I think we better hop on to the uh, the Wrestling Collector Slam lines. I know the, the phone lines are blowing up. People want to talk about their memories and their favorite processing manager, Jumpy J. What do you say? Let's hop right into it, man. Let's jump into it because the calls are stacked, and we're going to start off with somebody who I believe would have made one heck of a manager back in the 80s. He's even got his own uh, gimmick. Firefighter Brian is on the line. Good morning, Brian. Welcome to the conversation. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? (laughs) Very well. Good to uh, Excellent. Good to uh, talk to you guys again, and I appreciate the compliment. I'd make a good manager any decade, Jay, but I'd greatly appreciate <laughs> that. I was actually, uh, Back in the late 90s, I had a friend of mine who were training at the Long Island Wrestling Federation. They were trying to get me, and they wanted me to be their manager, but my mother said, but may she rest in peace, said, if you join, you're, you're out of this house. She said, I don't know where you're going to live, but I'll tell you where you're not going to live, here. <laughs> So uh, there went that. But I have done some ring announcing, and, uh, yeah, so uh, uh, lifelong wrestling fan. But this is a great topic. And, and, and let me just say quick, listen, Tommy, I've been meaning to tell you this. You know, uh, you're, 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 a lot of your uh, long-term 
endeavors that you've been wanting to do. You're finally doing. You're doing 90s WrestleCon. You've been wanting to take 80s WrestleCon on the road for a while, for as long as I've known you. And uh, you finally, it's finally coming into fruition. So good for you. Congratulations, my friend. The best of luck with uh, Thank you, with all of that. With all of that. Thank and you so let me, much. I've, been meaning to, I've been meaning to ask you this. I know it has nothing to do with this, but it's an important question. You said Rick Recon is going down to Florida, I believe, to train with Dory Funk, correct? Correct. He's on the, actually, he's on an airplane right now as we speak. He's on his way down there. Oh, okay. Now, is he going to go like back and forth from Florida to Jersey to defend the title? How's that going to work? Well, no, he's he's just going down there for a week to train with him. That's all. Oh, 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 oh okay, okay. And let me just say, for all you younger people uh, looking to get into the business, that's a great school to to, to contact. I heard it's uh, one of the best. Dory's one of the best trainers ever. So, uh, so anywho. Uh, managers great topic and I, I was hoping you guys would dive back into some topics that you know before you took uh calls so uh this is a great topic i agree a thousand percent tommy it's a lost art to say the least it is something that desperately needs to be brought back okay especially in nxt these poor these poor kids are so friggin' green okay they're greener than goose shit and they need people to to talk for them, to 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 uh, help them break the ice, and it's some I, I sorely miss managers, okay. And um, I think a lot. Of, I think the same names are going to be brought up a lot today, all right. So I'm just going to go through. I'm just going to say my top five managers of all time, okay. But they're all '80s oriented. Uh, number one, Bobby Heenan. I know it's the boring answer, but it's the answer. I mean, he's undisputably the greatest manager of all time. Um, number two, Captain Lou Albano. Okay, nobody was able to get guys who couldn't talk for their life over like Albano, and the success he had with tag teams and such, from the uh, Samoans to the Bulldogs, for crying out loud. Uh, three and four, it's either Cornette Heyman or Heyman Cornette. We all know if if Cornette was from New York, he'd be Heyman, and if Heyman was from the South, he'd be Cornette. You know, you, so you could flip-flop either way. Um, and number five, I'm going to go with Fred Blassie, the, the guy I have the mm. hardest time leaving off my top five is the guy who's appearing for you this weekend, Jay, the mouth of the South. And I've met Jimmy a couple times. Great guy. He actually, We actually duetted on Eat Your Heart Out Rick Springfield together. Great guy. Has great stories. Um I give the nod to Blassie because of, you know me, I'm big on influence. How did you change the game? How did you revolutionize the game? How did you set the the bar? And Blassie, Albano, and the Grand Wizard, who should be in the Observer Hall of Fame, um, they kind of started the manager that we know today. So I'm going to put Blassie at number five. And I'll say this honorable mention, and then uh, I'll, I'll let, uh, you guys will take some more calls. One guy, he's a 90s guy. He doesn't get the credit he deserves, and that's Bill Alfonso. Bill Alfonso brought something new and different and fresh to the role. I loved the whistle, okay? You could hear that whistle from Missouri, okay? 
Um, I loved how, of course, the voice. It was like nails on a blackboard, but it worked. You know, his teeth rotting out of his face. And whenever, like, Sabu would go through the table or whatever, he's in the ring. He, what manager jumps in the ring, dance, and jump on the ropes to give the fans something to watch while the wrestlers are recovering from a nasty bump? So he's a guy I wish got more credit. Great manager. So what do you guys think? I, I, yeah, I, everybody that you have on your list is somebody that should definitely be mentioned uh, in this conversation. I love that you included Bill as kind of a, a an, an underdog in this conversation, somebody that most callers may not bring up, but certainly added his own flair to the role of being a manager. Uh, Bobby Heenan, Freddie Blassie, everybody you brought up, entertaining in their own right, and each of them brought something kind of unique and different uh, to the role. No one really copycatted anybody else. Yeah, they could have borrowed certain aspects, but no, that is, that's a great uh, top five with an honorable mention. Excellent. Yeah, I would say so also. It's hard when you said about, uh, about the top five like influences as a manager goes. I would actually debate your last one I would, I would, okay. and, it's, it's just, and this is my opinion. And so I think that as far as the, the manager role goes, I think Jimmy might have had a little bit more success. It's tough, tough to say because he had, and Freddie was a great manager too, but I think that Jimmy, you think about how long he managed, and he managed Hogan, and he managed WCW, and he, he helped revolutionize Memphis wrestling. I, I would definitely throw him in the top five. That, that would be my only, my only, my only flip flop for you. It, it was That's my own personal opinion. Oh, and most people will agree with you, Tommy. Okay? And, and, and also, you got to remember, and this isn't Blassie. What guys like Blassie have working against them, okay? Forget about he stopped magic. He's been dead for over 20 years. So most of today's fans know very little about him, if anything, okay, which helps guys like Jimmy Hart's case, and I agree with you, with, with, with what he did in Memphis, the, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, oh, the Andy Kaufman angle with Jerry Lawler, and you look at the resume of the guys he managed, it was very hard to leave Jimmy. Jimmy Hart is as close behind Blassie as you can get. And listen, there have been tons of great ones that are going to be brought up today. I know Babyface is going to be bring up a lot a lot of good ones, you know, and there was a lot of great female managers, Tammy Sitch, Sherry, we go on and on and on, and I'm going to let you guys go on and on and on. Gentlemen, uh, great talking to you. Tommy, good luck this weekend. And, uh, hey, man, guys, great topic, and I'll talk to you guys next week, I hope. Sounds good, Firefighter. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. God bless. All right, starting off with a solid top five, Tommy, and uh, like 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 any top five in pro wrestling, whether it's wrestlers, managers, take teams, it's all personal preference and personal flavor, and so another great discussion to have. We're going to keep the discussion rolling by going with a longtime friend of the show, someone who was after a manager, but then he's such a nice guy, we had to change it. To Babyface. Babyface Brian from Chico, California. Good morning, brother. Welcome to the conversation. Good morning, Jumpa Jay, and good morning, Tommy. Hey, uh, good morning, sir. Brian uh, Firebright. Good morning. 
I, I know that uh, I'll go off subject real quick here, but it's the anniversary of uh, Adrian Adonis beating Hulk Hogan by DQ at the Meadowlands Arena, and that's kicked off a three-show uh, run where the next time out in July, uh, Hulk won by uh, by countout, and then in August, he actually pinned Adonis. But uh, the reason I mention that is I know that that was one of the, the shows I believe your father-in-law had something to do with or saw or, or your dad. I, I I can't remember, Tommy, but in two days, it's the anniversary of the uh, the Hogan-Orndorff uh, heel turn, and they didn't show it for until July, but it happened June 24th, so it's kind of my I mean, I know it's uh, I know it's Tommy's, and I know that the uh, Adrian Adonis Hogan trilogy of matches in the Meadowlands uh, that you had a little bit of uh, influence with that. With I think it was with your in-laws, so kind of cool. Uh, yeah, man. I'll, uh, just, timing. I'll, I'll let you yeah. know. I'll let you know real quick, and, and thank you for letting me know that I was actually in all three of those, all three of those matches wow. back then. And we talked about this on the podcast, especially where I lived. That I lived when I was a kid. I lived about only about. 17 minutes from, from the uh, Brendan Byrne Arena. WWF would run shows there every single month. They didn't come to the market once or twice a year like they do now. It was every month. And they, they would set up their matches. I know we're getting off topic real quickly, but we, they would set up their matches uh, at that show, like the return matches for the following show. So, like, it would be intermission. It would be inter- right before intermission, something would happen. And they would say, you know, due to blah, 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 next month right here, we'll be so-and-so against so-and-so in a lumberjack match. Tickets are available now during intermission. Head down to the cafe. And people would go down there, and they'd buy their tickets right then and there for the for the next show. So it was, it was, it was so awesome back then. I feel bad for fans today that don't get to experience um, more frequent shows. And now and I feel even more bad for someone like Jumpin' Jay that, had to get the Bolsheviks as the main event in, in, in their town. So right there, if the Dr. Style was mentioned at the time, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a WWE Hall of Fame moment right there, Jumpin' Jack. I didn't have to have them. I got to have them. It was a treat. People around the country were wishing they had the D circuit like we did. Definitely. Hey, the uh... – uh, I'm glad you said lumberjack match because I think the end of that trilogy was a lumberjack match probably because the count out the uh, the month before I think the last one was a lumberjack match with Hogan and Adonis but uh, uh, yeah the Bolsheviks and Slick um, that kind of a another connection is I wanted to talk about ISPW wrestling and just say what a uh, what a fortunate thing is to have an 80s wrestling fan as the uh, the head of ISPW because you understand how cool managers are when I went to that show and and we had Maven and Dave LaGreca and Crowbar's uh, valet, uh, it's, and, and then uh, Nikolai's son, Andy Weinberg. We've got managers at ISPW. It, it has an 80s wrestling feel, and uh, that's that's huge. I mean, uh, having the potential for manager interference and having managers talk uh, when their when their guys aren't as good at promos, it's it's a big deal. So. I commend you on the inclusion of managers in your uh, ISPW promotion, Tommy. Thank you so much, man. And, and I, I, I'm such a huge, obviously, I'm such a huge fan of the 80s because I do this podcast and I run 80s wrestling social media and I do 80s wrestling con. And you're right, man. I miss every aspect of it. So another thing I'm going to be doing is bringing back jobbers. So Jay and um, Brian, let me know what airport you guys fly out of. I'm going to bring you guys up here to, <laughs> to do some jobs for me pretty soon, all right? 
You may be joking. I'm all over it, man. I'll put my boots in a bag. I'm ready. Uh, Same here. I'll I'll tag with Jay. (laughs) Let's do it. That's fantastic. uh, Definitely. Definitely. Hey, the uh, the thing that I'll say about Jimmy Hart is that uh, all due respect to the Grand Wizard and Fred Blassie and Lou Albano, the, the three wise men, but I believe up until Jimmy Hart came along that the managers would uh, they would talk on the interviews, they'd walk the guy out, but then they would go back. And so I think they were all a little bit upset when, uh, when Jimmy Hart came to the WWF because Jimmy Hart mm. stayed out at ringside. And so he, he kind of started the trend of the managers staying during the matches and that's huge for all the interference angles that came along and being able to get uh you know the megaphone involved and 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 so that's when and he was a traveling manager so guys like jimmy hart and slick uh and and elizabeth of course but they would go to all the shows whereas bobby heenan uh most of the time he would show up for the uh the tv tapings but he didn't actually travel to all the matches he'd go to the big shows but uh he wasn't a traveler like jimmy hart and slick and and Elizabeth in that. So Jimmy Hart, I, I don't know if I have a top five, but I'd put, but I definitely put Jimmy Hart in there probably, ooh, maybe third. Uh, and, and probably just because I, I saw him so much more than I saw Blasio or Albano. But uh, coming and staying at ringside, that was, I believe, Jimmy Hart was the one that kind of started that in WWF. That could be no idea, but that that sounds like it could be very well, as he's the first one I remember at ringside. And I think, and I could be wrong about this too, but I think Jimmy Hart, at least later on in life, especially for guys like Hogan, he actually did some actual managerial stuff behind the scenes as well. And so I don't think he was just a manager on camera. I think he was doing some, booking some flights and arranging some, you know, appearances and things like that behind the scenes too. So he's probably one of the true managers yeah def- that and uh and i think he's been a manager uh for hogan even after wrestling as far as helping out with bookings and stuff and and you know he he had the deal where he would wear a different jacket for each performer too which was um the ingenuity behind that was was very cool yeah. and he and he did all the the music the, all the music that he did that's a, a a really cool thing that uh that jimmy hart brought along and i'll throw out there too when roddy piper first came to the wwf he had the ear injury and Vince thought he was too small, so at first he had uh, David Schultz, um, John Studd, and uh, and Paul Orndorff. Uh, I believe that he managed all three of those guys at one point before he actually started stepping into the ring as his, as his ear was healing up, and and he was starting Piper's Pit at the end of uh, right around uh, the time that Hogan won the title. But but Roddy even got got to do a little bit of managing uh, in in WWF as well. So, so yeah, I guess if I was going to do five, I'd say uh, Heenan, uh, got to throw Cornette in there, uh, Jimmy Hart, uh, and then, uh, it, you know, if, if you're going to go forward with it, it's hard to leave Heyman off of there, and if you're going a little further back, Albano and, uh, and Blassie, so yeah, it's, it's tough to narrow them down, but uh, uh, Sherry Martell, great, all great names so far, Fire, uh, Fighter Brian did a great job of, of listing them off, so um Excellent episode. Great to talk to you guys again. Missed you last week. And uh, uh, all the best wishes in the world for September 30th. You got some big talent lined up for 90s Wrestling Con, and everybody that can go to it should be excited about it, Tommy. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate that. And anyone out there, the uh, website is now up and running for that. You head over to 90swrestlingcon.com. Uh, tickets are available now for a big 90s Wrestling Con to get place on Saturday, 
September the 30th at the Rockaway Mall in Rockaway, New Jersey. Still many more stars to be added. However, tickets are on sale now. And Babyface Bryant, like I said, I'm going to bring you in, uh, Jumping Jay up, maybe be called Ding Dongs 2000, and uh, have you guys work some tag matches against the now here. And I you get them over real, real strong. How's that sound? Yeah, I'm I'm okay with it. I'll do it. I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. Absolutely. We're in. We just got to coordinate uh, which gear. We, we might have to wear our uh, 80s Wrestling the podcast T-shirts. So. Let's okay. and, by, and by the way, I'm one of the. Listen, by the way, uh, Babyface Brian, before we let you go, I'm one of the cool kids now because my man Jumpin' Jay shipped me up a uh, 80s Wrestling Cast podcast, not only shirt but mouse pad. As well, so he's a, he's a good friend, and now I'm part of the Cool Kids Club with you guys. Definitely, definitely. Thanks so much, guys. Have a great rest of the episode, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. You too, Babyface. Thank you so much. Before we jump into the next call, Tommy, because we got them stacked and racked, we got three people waiting on hold. I know Babyface Brian is the big LJN action figure guy, and I was just thinking, managers were so important in the '80s that they were included in the action figure line, which I don't think happened with the Hasbro figures uh, in the late 80s and throughout the 90s. And I don't know how many managers today, I'm assuming Paul Heyman has an action figure. I guess I should look into that. But it's kind of cool that they were such a valued part of the product that they were included in the very first true WWF action figure line. Absolutely, man. And before we jump into the next call, let's just quickly state just how important the role of a manager was uh, back then. If you look back at every major angle that Hulk Hogan was in during his heyday, it was some way, somehow connected to a manager. Look back at it. Wrestle, well, WrestleMania won, not so much. Um, well, actually, you know, they're, they're, they're still involved there as well. But WrestleMania 2, you have, you know, Bobby the Brain Heenan's managing King Kong Bundy against Hulk Hogan. They set up that angle prior to that. WrestleMania three again, Bobby Heenan with Hogan. The ultimate betrayal. His best friend turns on him, goes with Bobby, which made it gigantic heat, uh, more so than it was by itself. WrestleMania four was the title term, you know, but man just played a part of that. WrestleMania five, the whole angle of WrestleMania five's main event was revolved around a manager. So uh, during the heyday of Hogan's run. You know, you know, he would, they would feed him Bobby Heenan's family, you know, a couple months with this guy, a couple months with that guy, a couple months with this guy, and he, you know, just work the Heenan family a lot on, on, the, on the loop for a long time. And same thing with Jimmy Hart getting guys over and Fuji. I mean, they're such a huge involvement. And, yeah, they definitely deserve their own LGN figures, and they deserved a lot more than that as well because they played such a vile, valuable part of the product at that time because back then, everyone was larger than life, including the smaller managers. They were larger than life personas. You know, you go, little skinny Jimmy Hart runs out there, but he has kind of a suit in all different crazy colors and a microphone that people in the last stand in the last row in the arena can hear. So, like, there's, there's such, such colorful and funny and entertaining gimmicks and characters with managers back then, man. I really, really, really miss that aspect of, of the wrestling business greatly. I know they do it 
to a certain extent today, but nothing, obviously, like uh, we grew up as kids in the 80s. Uh, Bobby Heenan was my favorite growing up, absolutely, man. I loved all managers. How about you? Oh, Bobby Heenan is he's set apart from everybody else in this conversation, and I don't think that's wrong, and I don't think that's uh, inappropriate to say. I think everybody would agree that he was just on – another level he was in another galaxy man he was so so good and so yeah and then after that the conversation goes to guys like I think Jimmy Hart might be my number two because he was so memorable in his presentation you know and then guys like Mr. Fuji who seemed so evil and uh, when he would switch you know when demolition and powers of pain were kind of battling and he would switch sides was just so so memorable as you were talking Tommy and you said you know Jimmy Hart being a smaller guy, it made me think, you know, back in the 80s, if you wanted to be involved in the industry of pro wrestling, but you weren't a larger-than-life giant performer that, that Vince McMahon had stepping into the ring, a manager was a very good, prominent role for a guy who had the love and the passion for the industry, but wasn't gifted being, you know, six foot eight and 280-some pounds. Today, maybe we don't see as many managers because wrestlers in general – are a little bit on the smaller side. They're no longer this, you know, larger than life character. We've talked about that. And so maybe if you're a average size guy, maybe you can be a in-ring performer instead of being on the outside. And so maybe that's why we don't see as many managers as, as we did back then. That's a really, really, really good point uh, that you just brought up there back then. Yeah. Uh, they weren't larger than life as far as their, you know, physical appearance goes, you know, there's other opportunities in the business then, and, and, and the big one was slipping into that manager role, especially, and most importantly, if they had the gift of gab, uh, or, you know, a referee back then. But, yeah, that's that's a, a good point. But I, I don't think it's that. I think that just WWE, for some reason, you look at you look at the formula back from 85, and I know I mentioned this, many times on, on the podcast in the past, but it's, again, it's, it's worth mentioning again. All they have to do is follow the formula that they did in 1985 during the biggest boom period outside of the Attitude Era. They probably can't go back to that right now because of, uh, of certain reasons and laws and stuff like that, but uh, you know that 85 era, you know, you think about it, they're not they're marketing the kids, but they're not really, really, really marketing it to kids. Uh, and AEW is obviously uh, much edgier than WWE. I think WWE can they can still push the, the kids aspect a little bit more and still be okay on it. And I would love to see managers coming back. I'd love to see the squash matches coming back. I would love to see talk show segments where the set is built on the side, where not, not in the ring like everyone does nowadays, and there's an a interview segment. I just love the formula of 80s wrestling, and I wish that they could bring that back now. And, and if they could, then just real quickly, just to go full circle on it, uh, I wish it was the manager aspect of it because I mean, there's so many talented guys on the roster right now, uh, both on Raw and SmackDown, but they, they don't have maybe, the, you know, they're not as charismatic or they don't have you know, uh, great talking skills, but, you know, they're great workers. And if you've got a manager and got the manager over, you put the manager with the guy, it, it should transfer the heat over. 
the easy formula and concept that I think that is greatly uh, underutilized in today's wrestling. I think that's very well said. Uh, the calls are still deep, Tommy, and so you and I could talk about it forever, but let's get some more opinions on the airwaves up next. Danny from Butler, New Jersey. Danny, good morning, brother. How are you doing? And welcome to the conversation. Tommy Jumpin' Jay, uh, always a pleasure. I missed uh, talking to you guys last week. Uh, um, like I said, t- tremendous topic. Uh, first few callers, um, I can't uh, disagree with uh, none of them. Uh, fantastic uh, points. Um, you know, you got to go. I got to go with a uh, firefighter, Brian. You got to put Bobby the Brain on top, just because uh, you know the guy. You know, you when you talk about Hulk Hogan, you're gonna think about Bobby the Brain. He was involved in every one of those big angles, whether it was Big John Studd, whether it was a uh, King Kong Bundy, and then I, you know, I, you know, obviously getting uh, Andre the Giant to turn on him, leading up to the biggest main event in uh, wrestling history in WrestleMania three. You know, the guy, you know, he was charismatic. You know, he, had, you know, those uh, outfits that he wore, especially the one he wore in WrestleMania three, everything was over the top with him. He was just as big as the superstars in the ring. You know, the guy, he could talk. He could take bumps. Um, you know, the guy just, you know, he did it all. You know, like I said, he's definitely in the class by himself. When I, You know, as far as other guys, you know, you, you have to look at the whole picture, the whole totality of when you talk about managers pairing up with certain people that, you know, just quite can't get it over because of, you know, they just don't have the if factor. They can't talk on the mic. Um, you know, you look at, you know, what Mouth of the South did. You just, just look at the the champions that he had. And, you know, you look at, you know, him pairing him up with guys like the Honky Talk Man. You know, where was Honky going when he had, you know, his uh, initial run as a baby face? That, that obviously didn't work out. You uh, batch him up with him, turn him heel, and, you know, the rest is history. You look at, you know, like I said, those, those two guys, you know, were, you know, awesome together, you know, with that run with the Intercontinental Championship. You know, like I said, you that's you know, big part had to do with Jimmy Hart. Uh Mr. Fuji, another one that, you know, obviously the guy, you know, was a legendary ring performer, you know, with the, the you know, him managing guys, you know, obviously demolition, you know, then powers of pain and the work that he did uh with Yokozuna uh during his uh WWF title run. Another uh, sh- nothing short of a legend. Um, you know, if you bring up guys from like the NWA slash WCW, obviously Jim Cornette. You know the with the the work he did with the Midnight Express. You know Paulie dangerously with the with the Dangerous Alliance. You know him bringing in you know Undertaker. I mean back then, uh, you know me Mark Callis. You know the guy definitely knows the the business in now. So you know, we could go on and on and on. Um, you got to throw in Miss Elizabeth, even though she wasn't much. You know of a, I'm not gonna say not a manager. She was just the first real diva slash valet, whatever you want to call her, but everything was just so pure about her that you can't help but not give her her credit. And, it's you know, to this day, it's a shame that she's not in the WWE Hall of Fame. She definitely deserves it. You know, uh, Sensational Sherry, without a doubt, another one that could, you know, do do it all, whether she managed Macho Man, Million Dollar Man, you paired her up with uh, Shawn Michaels, you know, the girl, you know, she had, to me, she always had the if factor. You know, um, so I'm going to let you guys uh, get your other callers in. It's a tremendous uh, subject. Uh, we could go on and on, but, uh, you know, like, thank you guys for giving me this platform. I definitely uh, want to hear from the rest of the guys. 
that are on the phone waiting. Thank you so much, Danny, man. I love you. I always love your insight, man. I really do. No, I'm, I'm, I appreciate the platform that you guys give me. We appreciate you right, calling brother. in. Thank and, you so much, and I man. appreciate you bringing up Miss Elizabeth because, yeah, there is a difference between a valet and a manager, but I think Elizabeth might be the bridge that, that allowed women like Sherry to become full-fledged managers and not just valets. So I appreciate you bringing up her name in this conversation. Like I said, you can't. You you have to. You know, like I said, you you know, obviously, you can't think of uh, Randy Savage uh, without her. Um, you know, like I said, that's just uh, they go hand in hand. You know, like I said, you can't have uh, one without the other. Um, you know, she definitely uh, she was definitely a trailblazer when it came to uh, females. Uh, you know, in uh, as far as uh, managing concerns. So, you know, like I said, I I know that I could keep going on and on. I would, you know, I would like to throw Slick in there. Because you know, I, I think he was involved in some tremendous uh, angles in uh, back in the '80s, and you know, he definitely managed some top guys. Um, also, I think you could also give uh, Teddy Long uh, some credit. You know, you look at the work he did as a as a referee. Then he, you know, he jumped into managing. You know, he was very, you know, like I said, very very versatile. Uh, and what he could do. But um, like I said, I, I want to let the other callers get in. I know you got the slam line stack. So you guys uh, have a wonderful weekend, and I look forward to talking to you guys. Hey. You too, brother. Hey, Danny, yeah. real quick, let's stay, on, let's stay on this topic real quickly before we jump to the next caller. And he was talking about Elizabeth, and I briefly touched upon her importance earlier when I said about her being – the catalyst of the WrestleMania five main event. But if you look back at the history of the most successful feuds and matches of all time, no question in anyone's mind or angle, whatever it may be, there's no question in anyone's mind that the mega powers and the mega powers exploding was huge box office for WWF during the height of their popularity in the the mid to late 80s during that, you know, pop culture boom period. And it all centered around Elizabeth. And while she wasn't a worker, man, did she do such a fantastic job in her role. Like her, she didn't have, she, she didn't have to do anything other than make a facial expression to sell the importance of what was going on. Now think about what I just said for a second. She didn't even have to talk. All she had to do, and go back and watch her, all she had to do was react to the moment in a certain way. And by the way she, you know, put up her hands or had a sad face or whatever it may be, that captivated an audience of 20,000 people or more uh, watching and millions around the world. So talk about being underrated and, and, and not given enough credit. And, and first of all, she should absolutely five quadrillion percent be in the WWE Hall of Fame. But think about that, Jay. She didn't even have to talk. I mean, she did when she had to. But when she was at ringside, especially when Savage was a heel and you know, he would you know, hide behind Elizabeth, and then and just her face, her facials absolutely made everything. So, yeah, man, she deserves a lot of credit. So let me get this straight, Tommy. So, so when the Macho Man was going to debut a manager, all the heel managers were vying for his 
You know, they wanted to be his manager. They wanted him to utilize their services, and he chose Miss Elizabeth, and they went on that iconic run. Are you saying, had he chosen Oliver Humperdinck, the mega power storyline wouldn't have been just as captivating? <laughs> it, de- it depends on what uh, Hulk Hogan's type is. I don't think it was Oliver Humperdinck, though. Are you saying Oliver <laughs> Humperdinck in a teeny weeny polka dot bikini went to drawn eyes to the product? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Miss Elizabeth was absolutely key to that storyline, and that's one of the best storylines ever in professional wrestling. So thank goodness he did not choose Oliver Humperdinck. Let's keep the conversation rolling on pro wrestling managers as we visit Hotlanta. Joe, good morning, sir. Welcome to the conversation. Hey, we're talking WWE managers or managers of any wrestling. Um, yeah, uh, th- I got I picked out three names that have been skipped so far. Paul Bearer, the Undertaker's yes, manager. He's a, he's yeah, he's a classic. Um, kind of the unique thing about Paul Bearer was that t- to me, maybe I'm wrong, but he only managed one wrestler, the Undertaker. Another one that got skipped over, Virgil. <laughs> Uh, kind of the same thing as I just said about Paul Bearer. To me, really only managed the Million Dollar Man. And uh, here's a deep cut, Sweet Sapphire, when we're talking Macho Man stuff. <laughs> Sweet Sapphire, <laughs> man, uh, female manager of Dusty Rhodes. Um, yeah, and then, if, I, I, okay, here's what I started thinking about. Like, for the most part, when we watched 80s wrestling, only the bad guys, for the most, had a manager. Now, Macho Man was an exception because Macho Man would flip-flop, heel, babyface. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he was an exception. But then I just I was trying I was really trying to come up with somebody. This is outside the realm of normality. But Ricky the Dragon actually kind of had a manager. George Steele kind of managed him during that WrestleMania three thing. So you could even count George Steele in there as a manager. Um, but I do have to agree with Firefighter Brian and seems like the other guys that Bobby is the brain heen. And when I look at this list, um, is the is my favorite because of the fact when I watch his style, like for the most part when he walked a wrestler out down the aisle, he was so stone cold, such a serious look on his face. And then you wouldn't necessarily call it a promo, but he would do those after, you know, you lost a lot of matches. And he did all heated up, and Mean Gene would interview him after the match. And my favorite quote that I looked up on the Google machine is, you listen to me, you go to the top. You don't listen to me, you're never heard from again. That's right. Awesome. I love that. I That's love right. that. <laughs> so, Good job, brother. Yeah. That's all I got to say. I do have a last note. I do have a last note. The LJNs that I still have to this day, I have Jimmy Hart, Bobby Heenan, Elizabeth, and Freddie Blassie. Um, but I also know LJN made a slick and a Mr. Fuji. So I'm going on eBay after I hang up the phone with you, and I'm going to look up a Mr. Fuji and a, and a uh, – hey, yeah, Hold on a one second. You don't time. have to – you don't have to look on eBay. I have one right in the store here, Brent. No, I really do. I have a which, brand which new guy? Mr. Fuji. There I have a go. brand new Mr. Fuji still, still on the card if you're interested in it. Okay, man. There you go. I'm going to go on the, the store wrestling collector website today. MOC. Oh, it's not on the website. You have, to call, you have to call the store for it. You can call the store and I'll okay. call to you. 
Okay. All right, man. All right. Peace. Look at that. Getting some insight from Joe from Atlanta and, out, and also making making a sale maybe, perhaps. Sign it if you're going to sign it. <laughs> buy it if you're going to buy it. Yeah, buy it if you're going to buy it. <laughs> All right, we got I two calls. Look, Wait. I saw, oh, no, 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 no. I, I saw a lot of things. I saw a lot of action figures, but not like this, man. I thought it was you, man. It was both of you. You're both sick. Buy it if you're going to buy it, Joe, from fucking Atlanta. <laughs> I think you just wrote the next Wrestling Collector radio ad, my man. There you go, man. Buy it Get if it you're going to buy it. I love it. Buy that. it if you're going to buy it. Put it on the airwaves. All right, we got two calls left. Thanks for holding on. Oh, three. Look at this. The slam line just keeps stacking on top of each other. Uh, we're going to pick up the party line with our good friend Marty from Millville. Good morning, Marty. Welcome to the conversation. Party Good morning, time. fellas. Yeah, this is Party the first time. time I've been able to talk to you guys since uh, 80s wrestling con. So oh, it was great seeing you there, man. Yeah, it was great seeing you there, brother. Yeah, it, it was a blast uh, all day from getting there to the show at night and everything in between. It was it was a, like a dream for any wrestling fan. So that's awesome, man. Anybody who so so hasn't been to one, make it a point to get to the next one. Awesome, Marty. Real quick, before we before we hop into uh, your take on 80s managers, I know that you stayed for the, the show after the convention, which I believe was your first ISW show, I, I believe. What was your uh, yeah. what was your initial take and your first experience of ISW Live? Uh, I loved it. I, I front row. I was I was near the Toto with Tom section. Uh, he big licked me and, and couldn't get me in, but that's all right. Um, <laughs> no, he, he, yeah, and no, I tell you what, uh, Toto Tom is, is awesome. He hooked me up with my seat with, with, with some people he knew and uh, Jumpin' Jay and then uh, Babyface Brian were right there. So, no, it, it was a great time. Um, seeing it that close was amazing because, like, there's all the action, and yet I was taken right back. Um I don't know. I, I was. Uh, it, it was like this great mix. Like I got to see Tony Atlas, but I also mm-hmm. got to see Rick Rico. Like mm-hmm. I, I got to see you know, Powers of Pain and the Headbangers, but I got to see Bull James come out. And that uh, Kalitri, right? Kalitri, right? Am I saying that right? That guy. That's right, Kalitri. Yeah, he he impressed me because Rick Rico, I knew about, and I, and I know his stock is only going up. But uh, I was impressed with Kalitri a lot. Um, the, the battle Royal, he was amazing. Just, he had a presence to him and like that guy stood out. Uh, so it, it was great action. Top hey, to bottom. Just to let, just to let you know, he, he stands out to me as well. I, I, I'm happy that you just said that anyone out there, definitely keep an eye on, uh, the international shining star, Ray Kalitri. He's one of ISW's guys. If you actually go on, uh, if you go on the ISW wrestling's, uh, Instagram or Facebook page, we actually posted a video. He was here at the store yesterday, the wrestling collector. He came with his briefcase. He, he was looking to cash in his golden ticket and seeing if Rick Recon was here. He said he figured that Recon would be here because he'd be sucking up to me. So the shots were fired. <laughs> and you head over to ISW social media uh, pages. You'll, you'll see him and you get a, a quick, uh, you get a quick tour of the store because uh, he walks through the store regularly. So check it out on ISW's uh, social media on uh, it's just ISPW wrestling. Yeah, I tell you what, he's the kind of guy when he comes out, 
he's got your attention. You want to see what he's going to do next? You don't know if it's going to be something funny, you know, something serious, uh, but he's out there competing, and, and he, he puts it all out there. So that guy, uh, I was impressed by everybody, but he, he stood out like, you know, a month later. You know, he's still he's still there. So I'll make sure uh, he knows that. Yeah, no, he's cool. Um, but with managers, I, I got on a little late. I heard uh, Danny's call and great call. Um, and, you know, when he brought Miss Elizabeth and you guys started talking about her, I was like, yeah, like she deserves a lot of credit. The more he fell in love with her, the more he hated the Macho Man. And that was mission accomplished. That was well done. Really well done. Um, and I'm assuming everybody's already talked about Bobby Heenan. But I, I'll say two quick things. I know you have two other callers. Heenan's promo before WrestleMania three, before nobody talked about that yet, um, was scary to a Hulk Hogan fan because he was actually complimentary. The way he set it up, saying, Hogan, you've been a great champion. You, you have nothing to look back on. Like He was almost complimenting him, saying, but hey, it's over, bud. Like, he was being nice about it. And that was worse as a Hogan fan. This guy was like, he's so certain. And it made you doubt a little bit. So it made that match even better. And then on uh, Primetime, I know you guys had an episode about that. Um, it was like a thanks, and I'll try to keep it PG. But it was like a Thanksgiving episode. And Jameson, who they always picked on, was messing with a turkey. And he kept pulling at the leg. Bobby Heenan, unscripted, said, you better watch it. You're going to go blind broke Mr. Perfect and Vince McMahon out of character. You can see Vince McMahon's like, hey, he's not, but he's like <laughs> laughing as he's trying to reprimand him. Perfect just loses it. And you can see him like kind of go off camera. Like he, like it was just that brilliance of, of Heenan, whether he was funny, whether he was serious, set it all up. And one more thing about 80s Wrestling Con, I got a lot of love for my Mr. Fuji shirt, so I definitely have to throw – uh, Fuji's name out there because I got a lot of love wearing that around. Awesome, man. And that's it for my take on managers. Well, listen, well, Marty, thank you so much again for uh, for for coming to the uh, convention and also to the show. Hopefully, we get to see you at '90s Wrestling Con again on September the 30th at the Rockaway Mall in Rockaway. Thank you so much, man, for calling in. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. Have a good one. I'll be uh, listening to the rest of the show later. Sounds good, Marty. Thank Thank you so much, brother. All right, Tommy, we got two conversations left to have. First one is an unknown number. First-time caller, or I'm just bad at bookkeeping, area code 508. Good morning. What's your name, and where are you calling from? Hey, how you doing? I'm Fitzy. I'm from Massachusetts. Hello, Fitzy. How are you doing today? Uh, pretty good. I uh, saw your thing on Twitter. I thought I'd jump in. I just wanted to jump jump a layer deeper into Fuji here. Most of the managers were talkers. Mm-hmm. And what I loved about Fuji was that he was a doer. And I would watch a Fuji match with a wrestler I didn't particularly care about just because I wanted to watch what Fuji was going to do, what dirty trick he was going to pull out. That man made me watch matches with the Berserker I wouldn't care about. <laughs> that was great. That's a great point. That's a great point. Love the guy. Unbelievable. And you don't see that anymore. You don't see doers. Everyone's a talker. Everyone has a function. But, you know, you don't remember Mr. Fuji for talking. You remember for his actions. 
That's a very good point, Fitzy. And you knew that when he was on the ringside with that cane, that it was just a matter of time before before he did something. He was a doer. That's an excellent point. I loved it. Well, appreciate the uh, forum, guys. Keep it going. Well, thanks for calling in. Hey, we man, hope to hear you from so you much. again. All right. The last guy who's just been hanging on, Jason from texas originally from what chicago i believe but jason good morning sir and welcome back to the conversation hey guys how you doing it's been a little while sorry i've been dark been a little bit busy especially in the month of may and june my family just has a ton going on with kid birthdays and graduation from preschool for my little guy and all this stuff going on so just been pulled in a lot of directions but when i saw you were uh, talking about managers uh, today I was like, man, I got to find time to jump on and talk to these guys because that's just one of those things that uh, all of us, you know, old-time wrestling fans just always kind of gravitate towards, much like when you bring up topics like tag team wrestling and things like that. So uh, first thing that came to mind as soon as uh, I started thinking about managers back in the day was how fun the Survivor Series used to be because the heel teams – you know, even though it was five on five or four on four or whatever it might have been, when you added the managers to it, it often became, you know, eight on five or eight on four or seven on four or whatever. And it was super cool to see that because a lot of it reminded me of watching the Super Friends cartoons where you'd have the Legion of Doom and they would put, you know, Lex Luthor and the Joker and the Riddler and all these different bad guys kind of together in the same place. And, you know, that's kind of how it looked with Jimmy Hart and Bobby Heenan and Slick and whoever, you know, just kind of all together on the outside of the ring, you know, contemplating and looking at ways to, you know, uh, get their guys over and cheat however they could and stuff. And it was so cool to see that. Um, And then the other point I just wanted to bring up um, is that, My favorite manager is Bobby Heenan. I mean, it goes without saying. Everyone's been talking about it. But I also have a soft spot in my heart for all the managers that would bring some sort of, I don't know, everyday object and turn it into a weapon on a regular basis. Um, You know, you got Jimmy Hart's megaphone, obviously, Fuji's, you know, cane and things like that. But remember, um, you know, people like Jimmy Hart, obviously he's using his megaphone, but he helped the nasty boys win the tag team titles at WrestleMania seven with his helmet. (laughs) So, I mean, there've been lots of different things that they've been able to do over the, over the years, um, you know, to, to change titles over and and things of that nature. And even though Heenan didn't use any weaponry, obviously he helped Rick Rude defeat the ultimate warrior for the intercontinental title at WrestleMania five by holding the warrior's leg down from the outside. So, his hands and his mind, <laughs> obviously, uh, you know, calling him the brain, um, that tells you all you need to know and why he didn't need any sort of weaponry or not. So um, all in all, it was such a classic era, and uh, that's why we listen every week to you guys. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things that uh, makes you all uh, feel like a kid again when you start thinking about it. Absolutely, man. Hey, Stan, real quick, that you just brought up something that, I always thought it was fascinating from my childhood watching wrestling as well. You said about the Survivor Series team, especially on the hillside, where you know there could have been three different hillmen at the same time, Heenan, Jimmy Hart, Slick, and then 
the dynamic of watching all these guys that you know are weasels, no pun intended, uh, trying to, you know, interact with each other. And they all obviously, you know, they all have their own agenda for their own guys. It made it very, very, very enjoyable to watch. I'm so happy that you brought that point up because that's a really, really awesome point. And it, it added more to the Survivor Series match as well. And it just got the whole aspect of it moreover. So I just wanted to commend you for uh, bringing that up. But that's a really, really, really smart point. Hey, man, anytime you can be the last caller on your podcast and <laughs> still bring up a great point after all of these other <laughs> guys that call in every week that have all this knowledge and all this, uh, you know, great, you know, stuff to contribute. That's a huge win. So I'm going to take that and run with it. <laughs> run brother, run. <laughs> well, thanks. Thank you take so much care, guys. I'll call, I'll call in again soon. Sounds good. We look forward awesome. to it. All right, Tommy, we're rounding third headed for home. Just like your good friend Dwight Gooden heading for a home plate. Tell us again how we can get an autographed photo of Dwight Gooden and WWE legendary manager, one of the best, Jimmy in the Mouth of the South Heart. Absolutely. Once again, they will be appearing at the ISPW booth this Saturday at Garden State Comic Fest at the Menon Sports Arena in Morristown, New Jersey, beginning at 10 a.m. Dwight Gooden will be there from 10 to 1. Jimmy will be there from 10 to 3. If uh, you're not in the New Jersey area and are interested in getting an autograph, personalized photo of Jimmy and Dwight Gooden, you can head over to ispwwrestling.com. Once again, ispwwrestling.com. We'll sign it free, and then uh, early next week we'll ship out the photos to you. So uh, it's a great opportunity to get uh, autographs of two Hall of Famers. And uh, Jumpin' Jay, as always, I appreciate talking shop with you. I, I got to admit, I was I was very lonely last Thursday, Jumpin' Jay. I was sitting there at my desk at the Wrestling Collector. It was like 10 o'clock. My hands were on my head. <laughs> I felt like, I felt like you, know, you know, you had that, that first love, and then she breaks your heart and leaves you. I, I had that feeling. I was sitting there lonely. Uh, with, with the thoughts of me and you making fun of Twitter with Tom uh, in my head. So I'm um, happy you're back. I'm happy you closed, I'm happy you closed that $7 million deal. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I look forward to getting uh, uh, my cut. <laughs> in all actuality, man, thank you so much. I hope you and your family have a great weekend. Everyone at home, hope you guys have a great weekend. And, again, anyone that lives in the New Jersey area, tomorrow night, Friday, we're going to have a live ISPW show in Belvedere, New Jersey, Belvedere High School, 7.30 p.m., and then Saturday, Garden State Comic Fest. And we will catch you right here next week on 80s Wrestling, the podcast.